Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Like there are responsible things we have to spend money on and it's not as fun as ordering pizza or going to the bookstore. But 
you're, you're setting yourself up for success. And that's something to be celebrated in the moment. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. You can tell me, what is your favorite thing to spend money on every week that just makes you feel good? These little treats, we all do them. And guess what? We all feel really good when we make an impulse buy. It's like a quick dopamine hit, a rush. Just so you know, you're not alone. 55 plus million people on TikTok have created a little trend called little treat culture. It's a trend where people impulsively treat themselves for these quick boosts of happiness. So with 55 plus million people strong, I think this is something we need to talk about. On today's episode, Ashley Lopato, money and lifestyle expert at The Organized Wallet, helps me break down this whole thing called little treat culture. Ashley says, eliminating impulse spending is not the solution, but unsubscribing from the narrative that little treats means you're bad with money is what you need to do. Instead, you've got to give yourself permission to budget for impulsive little treats, knowing that it will bring you joy today and won't take away from your financial goals tomorrow. All right, my friend, there is a lot to discuss on this, so let's start talking. All right, we're talking about this trend today called little treat culture that just sort of blew up on TikTok. I believe there's like 55 million plus views. And it's this trend where people impulsively just kind of treat themselves for these quick boosts of happiness. And I think this is something we can all relate to. I, I would imagine that this is kind of why this trend blew up because we we spend money a lot of times because we just want to feel good. We want to we want to buy things, and you know, there's so many stressors when it comes to money that these these boosts of happiness are just really important. But you and I both know that these impulse spends they can really add up. I, I, I'm wondering, you know, what do you think it is about these like sneaky little treats with our spending that just makes us feel so good? I will speak for myself, and I think that it's either. I could be having a good day. Let me treat myself. I could be having a bad day. Let me treat myself. It's easy and it's fun and it's quick reward. And some days that's what you need. It's hard to be thinking of yourself 10, 20 years down the road and trying to make like great responsible financial decisions when if you've had a bad day and ordering a takeout or stopping for a coffee on the way to work feels so good. And it's such an immediate response to a need you have. And I think this is the the part of money that I really love talking about so much. It's this emotional part of money that when we when we watch TikTok or we, you know, check out different financial podcasts, they're really focused on the how-to steps. How do I get here? How do I buy a house? How do I pay off my debt? How do I how do I do all these things? And and yet people get like they have these big goals, but they kind of get stuck in the actual like taking the steps. So then we come back to this idea of like little treats and spending money. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know about, about your relationship with money or your experience, but for me, I think that it's, it's really important to talk about the emotional side of money that is really strong and exists there, but we tend to just kind of overlook that. Oh my word. I love that. My relationship with money 
I work and I almost, I would say at least once a week think to myself, I cannot believe I work for a personal finance app. How in the world did this happen? Because for most of my adult life, I told myself, I'm just bad with money. And I would make decision after decision that would just prove that to me over and over again. And so that's something I really internalized. So being able to shift that And I did that with some small wins. And I think that's so important on this long journey. I think that's why we call it like a debt-free journey. It's not something that can always happen tomorrow. We might be working on this for years and years and years. So setting up some small milestones, building in space in our spending plan for these little treats, those are all things that will help us be happy today and then also happy down the road. Where do you think that comes from, that idea of not being good with money? Because I think that's something that so many of us just somehow, like through osmosis or whatever it might be, have that belief. Can you can you find patterns like back to your childhood or like something that happened where it just sort of cemented that idea? Or is it just something you think that just society tells us we're just not good with money? For me, I think I can definitely see patterns starting in childhood. I was a late 90s, early 2000s mall kid. I'm the (laughs) oldest of four sisters. That's what we did on Saturday. We went to the mall and there is no one I have ever met who loves spending money like my dad. So that was bonding. It was like family fun time. And I would remember my mom saying, Ashley can't walk into a store without finding something that she wants. And then you get your first job and it's fun to buy the things that you couldn't buy for yourself. So yes, 100% just this is who I am. I'm a spender. Saving is no fun. That's not for me. And just telling myself that over and over. Yeah, it becomes like your your t-shirt motto, right? <laughs> that you just sort of like live and breathe from. So, okay, I've got to ask you, what are your what are your favorite little treats? I could easily sum that up with books and beauty. You will find me Barnes and Noble and Sephora. <laughs> those are my happy places. <laughs> and both of those are very good. They're very designed to to suck money out of the pockets. <laughs> I know for sure. <laughs> what about you? Oh my gosh, um, mine would probably have to be food related. So okay. I love food. Yeah. I love cooking food. I love eating food. And so it would probably be. I mean, I love books too. I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit, you know, spiral with this, but. I, I I always just feel comforted by like a good burger and French fries. And so I know whenever I'm not feeling great or even if I am feeling great, I'm like, I just want to go out and have a burger and fries. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, I was thinking there were, you know, kind of along those lines, there were these these two nights recently when my husband had like all this stuff we needed to make for dinner. And I asked, you know, what are what are we having tonight? And he looked at me and he's like, you want pizza, right? And, you know, it's the automatic response to me of, I know we have bought stuff to make dinner. I know we've spent money on that, but let's just go, like, let's just go out and spend money on something that, you know, makes us feel good, like pizza. Cause you never feel great afterwards after you eat pizza, but you feel really great in the moment (laughs) when you eat pizza. And so it made me think about this, this study that, that you guys did at at YNAP that, you know, I want to talk about it. It found that nearly all 94% of American adults admit to spending impulsively. I think I would agree. I would think it's probably 100%. There's probably like 6% of the population that are that are lying. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, with purchases like dining out, 
55% and clothing and shoes, 53%. Those were kind of the most common sources, which have both of us in those buckets, right? Uh, you know, totally guilty on the pizza on the pizza front. So I know something you talk a lot about on TikTok is that people need to spend money on things that bring joy and align with their goals and their priorities. And I want to first to kind of flip this on its side. We all have a lot to spend money on and and there's a lot of things that we just have to pay for that just don't bring us joy. How do we be okay with those types of expenses, like the things that we just have to spend money on? Oh, that's a great question. But I started really buckling down and taking control of my finances about five years ago. And like with a lot of things in life, I feel like when you first are like, this is my new, this is the new me. And it's going to be great. Thing after thing after thing popped up. There was a hailstorm. There was trouble with my roof. And I remember having a big issue with my car and the mechanic came out. I could already tell by his countenance. It was not (laughs) Not good news. And he was hemming and hawing. And I could just tell he was getting, trying to prepare me for what was coming. And when he said the price, it was, it was horrific. And I was sad about it. But at the same time, I knew that if I opened up my money plan in YNAB, that this new me who had been taking control had set aside money. And so while yes, would it have been more fun to spend that $1,800 on something else like a fun vacation, but I was so proud of myself that I had planned for this. I had set up myself to be able to handle this without reaching for a credit card or getting my other goals off track. I hope that could be a source of inspiration for somebody No, like there are responsible things we have to spend money on and it's not as fun as ordering pizza or going to the bookstore, but you're, you're setting yourself up for success and that's something to be celebrated in the moment. Yeah. So I guess, you know, with, with the little tree kind of culture, it's, it's like, I I hate using the word balance because I feel like there's always going to be, it's always going to be out of balance. There's always going to be things that come along like you were talking about where it's $1,800 for for your car or your roof or this. I remember the first time I bought a house and I think it was I don't, four or five months into owning it. And I had already spent you know all my money on the down payment. Like There just wasn't a lot of money left. And the plumbing went out. And so when they came out to to you know, give an estimate about the plumbing. They're like, oh, it's even worse. Like we have to run plumbing like oh, now all the way out to the street. And we're like, you know, it's going to be like $25,000. And I was like, $25,000, you know, I don't even have that kind of money. And it just, you know, put a lot of, a lot of stress on me. And I'm not saying that happens all the time. Luckily that was a one-time occurrence, but, you know, I, I'm wondering like with this little treat culture, if there's a way you know, bringing us back to this idea of joy and the things that align with your your goals and priorities. If there's a way to do it responsibly, where maybe you have a a fund that is just your little treat fund, you know, or is a fun fund or whatever you want to call it, and you can take from that every single month when you know these moments come up and you just want to spend money, you just want to go out and buy books or pizza or whatever it might be, but then you're not sacrificing you know, some of the other things that, that you want to do. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I'm, I'm wondering like if there's a way we can navigate it so we can kind of have the best of both worlds. 
I think there is some shame that comes with the little treats. And yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. When people are setting up a spending plan, your mind first goes to my bills. And then maybe if you're really responsible, you're thinking of some like non-monthly expenses, like, well, I have holiday gifting coming up. So you're setting aside money for these. But I always want to ask people, I think all of our money plans should tell the story of ourselves. You should be able to look at mine and say like, oh, Ashley likes books. Ashley likes skincare. She has two very expensive cats who always are going to the vet for something. (laughs) So by really customizing our money plan and getting true with ourselves and our values, we're building intentional space for these things. And then the shame doesn't come because you've set aside, you know, when I go to Target, I love, it is so fun to me to stop and get a coffee and take that coffee and walk throughout the store. So then you build that into your plan and then there's no shame that comes with that, which I think is so powerful. I really like what you're saying here. I love this idea that your spending plan creates the story. It's the story of you and the story of the life you want to live. Yes, you're going to have the stuff that you have to pay for. So but let's build in the other stuff. So how do we do that practically? Like, How do we build in the space for all of these other things that do bring us joy? One of the pillars of the YNAB method is give every dollar a job. So that means you're looking at your checking account, you're looking at your savings account, and you're taking each one of those dollars and you're assigning it to a certain category. So like I said, bills, very easy to do that. A piece that I missed in the beginning are what we call true expenses. Another term is sinking funds. So like my car maintenance example, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I know at some point my car will need work on it again. So it's setting aside that category and putting a few dollars there. And I think I hear people say, okay, I have my income. I subtract my bills, maybe some savings, and then what I have left is spending money. But I think when you get really clear with yourself on exactly what each dollar is doing, it makes you be honest with yourself. And I think some of us fall into, speaking for myself, the maybe overdoing it on takeout because it does feel good. And (laughs) it's easy. easy. But when you're having to face that, and see, like, I I still remember that first month after doing a spending plan and looking at all my totals and what I had spent on, I was flabbergasted with how much I was spending dining out. And I had to come to terms with, like, yes, sometimes it's fun, but do I really need Chipotle this many times in the month when I would rather be spending on other things? So when you get very clear about what your money is supposed to be doing, it makes the trade-offs very clear. So yeah, maybe I would like to cut back a little bit on dining out so I have the space for some of these fun purchases like the books and things like that. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. 
the best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical. If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. All right, Ashley, it's time to play the Your Relationship with Money is Game. 
Yeah. All right, I've got four questions, uh, and this is the first thing that comes off the top of your mind. So, question number one: If your relationship with money was a cartoon character, I love that. I don't know why Sailor Moon is like the first cartoon that came to my mind, and I'm trying to make some kind of connection to money. It doesn't have to make any sort of sense. I will say. Let me see if I can try to work my way through this. I think when I think of Sailor Moon, I think of transformation. And I think with my personal money story, there has been such a transformation. Yeah. All right. Question (laughs) number two, how many times a day, how many times a day? Let me say that again. Question number two, how many times a day would you say you think about money? It is my job. Maybe I think about it more than the average person would love to compare with you to see if we're on. But before I worked at YNAB, I purposed in my heart that We've all read all the habit books. And one thing that stuck out to me is this framework of connecting a new habit with something you're already doing. So when I do X, then I will do Y. I'm very fair. I take skincare and like sunblock very seriously. That's something I never skip on no matter what day of the week it is. So I decided while I like let my sunscreen sink in before I put on makeup, I will check in on my money plan every day for five minutes. And starting my day that way has been so wonderful, just like keeping my goals at the forefront of my mind. So when maybe I'm tempted during the day with some like quick hits, I'm like, no, I I know, I know. Question number three, if a bazillion dollars was just instantly put into your bank account right now and you never had to give it back, what would you do? My husband and I have been talking, we don't even, we're just talking for fun because I don't even have the space to store it. But there are these really fancy trailers that you can pull behind pickup trucks for camping and they can cost like over a hundred thousand dollars. And even if we had that money, I have nowhere to put it. I live in a little townhouse. So that's the first thing that came to mind. That would be really fun to have. I love that. It doesn't have to make sense. That's the beauty of it. Question number four. Uh, hold on. I'm just blanking on question number four. Oh yeah. Okay. Question number four. What would you say is your biggest money mistake? Maybe even one you haven't shared with someone before. I can't remember if I've told this story in any of our YNAB materials or videos that I've done. When I think about money shame, and I love that that's the start of your episodes, that this is not a place for shame. I have this one memory of, this has probably been 15 years ago, of being in a guest, like the store guest, one of their changing rooms, and doing this like mental math of if I could afford this $80 cheetah print blouse, which I should not have been buying for multiple reasons. (laughs) But I knew how much was in my checking account. And so I was like, okay, I've paid this and money. I, I... I can afford this. It's all good. So I go up to the front and one of my sisters was with me and I paid with a debit card and the woman checking me out said it was declined. I was run it again. (laughs) It was like my own, like really bad rendition of the shopaholic movie, like run it again. Like, of course, of course there's money there. She did it very kindly again, declined again. So In my shame, I scurried out of the store and immediately opened up my bank app. There was no money in there. And I thought I had had this money, but I forgot that I owed my mom for something and she pulled the money out of that account. So that 
that shame, and my family loves to tell that story. We can laugh about it now. But I do think that that's one of my biggest money mistakes is basing decisions off of my checking account balance. That does not tell you the full story. That's why it's so powerful to name what every dollar is doing. Because if I had done that, I would have known that I owed her this money and I needed to pay her back. It's interesting because I I, I don't know if a study has ever been done on this. I need to look for it on on the psychology behind how we just universally spend money, spend a lot of money on on food, on eating out, more so than than groceries or anything like that. And I think it's really interesting because of, of every person that I've worked with where I've helped them be, with different money goals, we always come back to the eating out category. And it's always one of those where every single time people are like, I spent how much on eating out last month? And it's so interesting to me. I mean, the psychological component to me that's interesting is uh, just how our brain works at justifying certain things. So a lot of times people would have like a paper written out spending plan and they wouldn't have updated it in in eons, you know, and they'd have like a certain amount of money, let's say $250. I'm going to spend $250 eating out. And they would believe wholeheartedly that that was what they were spending every single month. And then when you looked at the numbers, you know, sometimes it was two times or five times or 10 times that amount. And it would always just be like, how, how is it even possible that I could spend that much money eating out? And I just think it, this is where like the nuances of, of money and our and, our, and psychology and spending and happiness and kind of Everything that I think this little treat culture really embodies is really fascinating to me. I don't, I don't have all the answers for sure, but I think it's really interesting how we just um, we think that we're doing certain things or we think that we're spending within our limits, and then the reality is we're really far off. <laughs> and not that it's a bad thing; it's just that's what it is. Yes, we talk a lot about overspending, and at YNAB, we like to ask the question. Are you overspending or are you underfunding? Maybe your friends, comparatively, your family, they are spending a certain amount. I did this when I first got started. I went to Reddit and I said, okay, how much are people actually spending on groceries? And I would find these families of four who were spending a fraction of what. And I said, well, to be good at money, I should be spending this amount. I was just setting myself up for (laughs) failure and frustration. So I had to come to terms with, this is where I live. This is how we like to eat. I'm going to set my grocery spending at this amount. So I was being really truthful and I was saving myself some of that heartache. Yeah. Speaking about Reddit and and TikTok and just all of the sort of social influence around money is really interesting. It makes me think about, about FOMO and the fear of missing out. And I'm wondering what role you think that plays into this idea of of little treats because obviously, you know, 55 million people talking about little treats and and it's become this thing where you know, it's it's a, it's okay to talk about whatever you're spending your money on, but at, at what point is it that we're just kind of buying into what everyone else is doing? Oh, this this is good. And I was actually thinking this morning of college and I was obsessed with my sweet mate she, well, I was a lonely freshman. She was a senior. I thought she was so 
fabulous. She was a cosmetology major. So she taught me, she like that. She even took the time to like interact with me. I just was like star eyed. She taught me how to curl my hair and I would like peek over the countertop to see like what beauty product she was using. And I had this little job at the campus bookstore and I would take some of my money and go to Target on the weekends and buy whatever she had. I was thinking this morning, if you scroll on TikTok for an hour, you have just seen a hundred plus of fabulous women recommending products. We have just, it just exponentially has grown. And I think it all comes back to, there's nothing wrong with that if you are so firm in your values. So when I'm thinking about FOMO, actually one of my team members a couple months ago almost like whispered to me, I actually don't love traveling that much, which in the personal finance world, I feel like we hear people say like, oh, don't spend money on things, spend it on experience, spend it on travel. It's like the one thing in personal finance where we're like, yes, like it's if okay. you spend money on travel, yeah. that's okay. And for her to admit that, you know what? I actually don't get a lot of joy from that. I would much rather spend the money on my home and make my home as beautiful as possible and save up for a remodeling. So she, knowing that, knowing that about herself, she could scroll for hours on TikTok, see all the travel influencer going to beautiful places. And she can say, wow, that's wonderful for them, not for me. And I think that being really clear in your values is a great way to deal with FOMO. How do we how do we do that exercise? Like, how do we figure out, do you have any tips? Like, how do we figure out actually what our values are and then the ones like separate it from what everyone else's are and what ours actually are? One time I got a journal. That's another thing I love to spend money on is journals. (laughs) There was an exercise in the front of it and it, it asked you to take a step back, do a brain dump of times throughout your life when you felt incredible and try to get to 10. And once you do that, go back through your life and think of times when you felt terrible, try to get to 10 Mm. and look at those experiences and what can you pull from them. So for me, it was sometimes doing new things, getting out of my comfort zone, seeing new places. So I can say, well, you know what? I do think that travel is a part of my values and I want to see some of the world. And also security came up time and time again in both the good column and the bad column, like when I didn't feel secure, it's a horrendous feeling. And I want to do anything in my power to not feel that way. So I might have a larger emergency fund than most financial gurus would say, but for me, I've experienced job loss and I see how quickly things crumble. And I want to be prepared if that were to ever happen to me again. So it is doing some self-reflection, which not always. It's not that easy hit on dopamine. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Then we go back to the little tree. Like, let me get a dopamine hit real yes. quick. <laughs> and I'm also thinking, you know, the, the 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 trend on TikTok kind of coming on the heels of us still kind of coming out of the pandemic and not being able to do a lot of the things that maybe we wanted to do in terms of how we spend our money. What role do you think that plays in just us? I don't know if it's like a rebellion, like now I can spend my money and I'm going to spend it on all of these little treats, or is it just maybe something that was always part of the subculture, but we just didn't really openly talk about it? Oh, that's a great question. I do think that there is some rebellion. 
And I think that, again, is why if you say to yourself, it is the start of a new month, this month I will be perfect with my money and everything's going to go to plan and I'm not going to make any impulse buys. I'm going to stick to my plan. Like the first day that you have a bad day, it's let's order takeout. So by giving yourself a little margin that you understand there is no such thing as a normal month. We can make all the plans in the world, but if you do not have a plan that can shift when your priorities shift, when new information comes in. So that's another pillar of the YNAB method is to roll with the punches. And it basically just means when your priorities change, your spending plan changes, and there's no shame in changing it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. I also love this piece of advice. You tell people to create what you call a wish list for expensive treats. Tell me more about like what is this and and how do we stay motivated to you know, go for those items that are on the wish list versus these like quick little hits. Oh, I love the wish list because in our 
quick, quick, quick hits of scrolling and swiping through for you pages. It's so easy. Even last night, I have somehow ended up on wide calf TikTok. I'm like, yeah, like the riding boots are back in style. This is so great. Hey, <laughs> as and a I'm, fellow wide calfer, I'm 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 in for that trend. <laughs> so this woman, she says, if you have wide calves, this video is for you. So uh, immediately <laughs> I'm locked into what she's saying. She had these beautiful Vince Camuto boots and they were maybe $230, but she said if you have wide calves, these are going to be so comfortable. They'll make you look so stylish. So immediately I felt that want. If I have these boots, I will look as cute as she does. By telling myself, I'm not telling myself no. I'm putting them on the wish list, which I think that's fun in and of itself. I think that's why Pinterest is so fun. You get a little hit by just adding it to your wish list or pinning it to your Pinterest board. But even this morning, I was thinking the last time riding boots were in style, I had a corporate job where I was dressing up every day and I did wear them. Now, like right. it's, it's soft clothes. Like I'm not, I'm not wearing them. boots very often. Those so boots maybe, would just sit in the closet and kind of stare at you and say, maybe yes. one day, maybe. So I'm going to give myself, I'm actually currently doing a no spend month. So at the end of the month, I will look back over my wish list and there is such power in pausing, not telling yourself no. So hopefully you're not like having that rebellious reaction. You're not saying no, you're just saying, wait a little bit and see if you still want them. And the amount of things that I have deleted off my wish list, it it's good. It's good. It, if somebody is listening who hasn't tried it yet, it is worth the try. I often talk to people about something I call the 24-hour spending pause. So I'm really guilty of putting a lot of things in various shopping carts online. And so I had to create this, this rule for me and it ended up working for a lot of people of just I'll put it in the cart, no judgment, just whatever I want, I'm going to put in the cart. But I got to come back in 24 hours. And the reason behind it is because we know that when we come back in 24 hours, usually we won't want the same things or we'll want a fraction of the same things. And then this pause, this idea of pause that you talk about, you have to then ask yourself these questions. Do I, do I really want this? Do I really need it? Is it going to sacrifice something else? And so it, I, I'm sure that it has saved me thousands of dollars. I still spend a lot of money on stuff that I end up returning or you know, whatever it might be that I shouldn't have even bought to begin with. But I find that, that there is something to be said about, about creating the pauses. I'm, I'm curious, what, like, what's your hope for a no-spend month? Like, What are you hoping that you kind of learn about yourself or that you you know, that you take out that you can then transform into, into the months going forward? No spend months for me are a reset of my spending habits. And they also are a little momentum when I have a big goal that I'm saving for. The first time I did it, I came back with two big takeaways. The first is I might not be a mall kid anymore. Don't hit the malls like I used to. However, I browse online almost like it's a hobby. And I was like, that that's something I think if I didn't take this month where I was doing no shopping, I don't know that I would have recognized. Like my husband put something on TV. I'm not like half paying attention. Let me see, like anthropology, new arrivals, Sephora, new arrivals, and just browse. So I've noticed that about myself. And then I also noticed that with 
takeout and like fast casual dining. Sometimes it's good, but when it gets to be too much, I stop appreciating it. So after a month of not being able to have Kava or Nando's, that first time I have it, I'm like, this is so (laughs) good. This is the best thing ever. Ever. So I really appreciate it. And I recognize that there's diminishing returns for me for fast casual dining. So I love just a little reset. It's nothing restrictive. I'm actually like, I will have a little nice lump sum of money at the end of the month from not shopping and not dining out that I can put towards a big goal, but it's just nice for like, again, the pause. So we all know that that TikTok is somehow transformed to this thing that's just this machine for creating these trends and the little treat culture trend. And I really think it's very interesting to me because it shows how much we're really dying to have like a sneak peek into how people spend their money, which is really interesting to me. I've always loved that aspect. But I, I'm wondering, Ashley, this is a little bit of a thinker, but if if there were like a new money TikTok trend that you could start, like what would it be? Oh, I would love to see people's payday routines. What happens when a paycheck hits your bank account? Not even to see if people wanted to share their numbers. I think that's fascinating, but just the mindset and the decisions that people make. And I think if somebody's listening and thinking like, well, I think I'm pretty good. I'm pretty responsible with money, but I do know that impulse spending is holding me back from my goals that out of the survey and the study, I think the saddest statistic was it was like 52% of people say that impulse spending is holding them back from their financial goals. Mm, Yeah. That broke my heart because I don't think that has to be. So the first thing I would recommend is that you pay yourself first. So before I even see my paycheck, two things happen, automatic contributions to 401k and HSA. So I'm already setting myself up with this foundation. And then I also treat my investments like a bill. I have it auto comes out on payday into my investment account. So I don't think about it. I'm not having to have this like, should I invest this month? Should I not invest? I made that decision once and it's just something that happens. And it's even if you look in my spending plan, investing is in my bills category. That's how I think about it. And then my second tip is to see yourself in your spending plan, what we talked about. Don't, there is nothing silly about your priorities. They are your priorities. How you want to spend is how you want to spend, but let's own it and let's add it into your money plan. So I would love to see what are people saving for? Like, where do you want to go on vacation next year? Are you saving for a new dog bed? Like I would love to see it and like, let's support each other and encourage each other to stay on track so that we're reaching these goals. So I think we should start that trend. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. I interrupted you. Yeah. Go, go finish your thought. Finish your thought. Pay yourself first, see yourself in your money plan. And then this is a phrase that my coworker Dave coined a long time ago, and it's called find the money first. I say this to myself, Shauna weekly. So what this means Under the YNAB method, you've given every dollar a job. So that means like, I know how much I have left in the month for grocery spending. So if I go to Wegmans after I hang up with you and I know I have $150 left in that category, but I want to spend $200. Like there's a little like of the 
prepared foods, that it looks so good, and I could have that for lunch, that would be so wonderful. So instead of just overspending, I pause for a second and look down at my spending plan and think, where would I pull the money from? So it all comes back to those trade-offs. Will I pull from next year's vacation? Will I pull from holiday gifts? Or, you know, maybe I don't need clothes this month. Like I'm fine. Like I'm good with like my fall wardrobe. I'm going to pull $50 from that to cover that spending. So having that decision before you swipe your card is incredible. And a lot of times I make a different choice than if I swipe the card and then have to deal with the consequences of moving around money after the fact. What Ashley said was genius. Your spending plan should tell the story of you. So instead of focusing on budgeting that makes you feel like crap, create a spending plan. Let how you flow your money out every month be in line with who you are, what your values are, what makes you feel happy. I get it. Yes, you've got a lot of things that you have to pay for. I'm talking about the extra money. And if you look at your spending plan now and it doesn't tell the story of you, great. What do you need to do to make some shifts so that it makes you feel happy. And if you're looking for a spending plan template, I have got a great free one for you. I will link it in the show notes for you to grab. You can follow Ashley on TikTok at The Organized Wallet. And if you're looking for a budgeting software option, you can head to youneedabudget.com to get started. If you enjoyed this episode, do me the highest favor possible. Go to the whatever podcast player you're listening to right now, rate and review the show. These rating and reviews help us to be able to bring in more guests and help the show to continue to thrive. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. (music) 